tonight. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're, you're right here with us, that you want to speak to us. So we just uh, pray that you'd supernaturally turn our phones onto flight mode. You'd supernaturally turn it off, that the, that the uh, Snapchat won't distract us, that the, in Jesus' name. But God, we, and we thank you that you can do those miracles. But ultimately, God, we just pray that our ears of the Spirit would be open, that we hear your voice, that we know what your voice sounds like, that we don't just go through life by good ideas, by good intentions, but we go by your plan, your purpose, that we can look back on life and go, wow, look at God's faithfulness, look at God's hand on my life, because we tuned in we and obeyed in, uh, in awesome ways. Amen, amen, they agreed. So for those that have been to youth before this year, we've for term one, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter four, correct? Verses one to seven. And uh, because One Youth isn't just this program on a Sunday night, we are a part of a local church called One Heart, and we believe in uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, has great verses that kind of helps give a DNA example of what, what does it mean to be one, like what, what separates One Heart Church from this church or the other church. Well, we think these are principles, these are keys of God's word that we should represent represent us. When I go down the street, I know if a kid is from Navigator College. I know if someone going, is going to St. Joe's. I know if someone's at the Port Lincoln High School because their uniform gives them away. I'm like, ah, oh, I know where you go. And in a sense, these, these verses represent to us who, who God is uh, doing in our lives that people go, oh, they're from one heart because this is the character that we want. So I'm just going to uh, read verses 1 to 7, and then we're going to look at the verses that we're looking at tonight. So therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. Now, each week leading up to this week, we've done one verse as we went along, but today we're getting a double verse. So we're doing not just one verse, we're looking at two, which is very, very exciting, I, I think. So the verses that we're looking at today is verses five and verses six, which says, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. When I read that, that reminds me of that song, Gold from Jesus Culture, one one, yeah. we come together with one, and I, I just, I change, I'm like, one heart, one heart, when, you know, when you forget the lyrics, I make up the song, but, sorry, that's, every time I read this scripture, that song gets stuck in my head, so, yeah, who is overall, in all, and living through all, and so we're going to look at what those, the one Lord, one faith, baptism, one God, Father of all, who is overall, in all, and living through all, and I believe in if we can get a hold of this in our lives, it will help us uh, be great Christians. So, uh, so we'll start with literally the first part, one Lord. And so uh, I'll 
I'd like to propose a question to you. What is a Lord? What is a Lord? I don't think you use that in conversations very often. I doubt you talk at school on social media. I don't see a hashtag Lord. No, it's not, it doesn't exist. And so it's important though for us because if we read the Bible, it is full of this word called Lord. We read the book of Psalms. It's all these songs. It's like Lord this, Lord that. Lord him, Lord her, uh, not her, but Lord, 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 Lord. It's all through the Bible. And so it's, un- it's important if we're going to read the Bible, we've got to understand, well, what is Lord? What does Lord mean? And so uh, here's just three little statements to help us understand the word Lord. A Lord is an owner. A Lord is an owner. A Lord is a possessor. A Lord has the power of deciding. So if you're an owner, if you're a possessor of something, you can decide what happens to that item, to that thing, whatever the, the, the thing that Lord lords over, you then have the, decide, the power to decide what happens to the thing you're lording over. So that is, if you want to understand what the Lord is, that's what Lord is. And so um, I don't know if there's going to be a picture come up on the screen, there may or may not be, but um, that I have a friend, his name is Max Hammers, or his, technically his last name isn't Hammers, but Max Hammers, is a, that's his like, last name's like a nickname. Like saying oh, I'm Josh Shanto, that's not my last name, but you know, get the point. So here, it, this is a um, a game coming out short, or I think it's out already. It's called AFL 2003. Now, when you look at these graphics, you think, oh, I didn't know they're still making PS2 games, but clearly. And so my friend Max Hammers, he put up on his Instagram when this game was being released. He's like, um, I didn't know they're still making PS2 games. And so now, what am I showing you this AFL 2003 game that's nowhere near legit as FIFA and NBA games, the, the graphics and the... The reason why I'm sharing this, when I was your age, even younger, probably, I could, I reckon when I was 10, I had this game called AFL uh, 16. So AFL, uh, no, it wasn't, was it 16? It might have been 14. Or whatever, it was, it was a really old AFL game. No, it was 2012, I reckon, AFL 2012. So I completely got my maths wrong. It was AFL 2012, and man, I... Adelaide Crows have never won so many grand finals in a row. I wit- that game got uh, morning and night. I was addicted to this game. And if, if we'd be honest, AFL 2012 was lord of my life. I've got to be honest, it was a lord of my It possessed me. It controlled me. <laughs> it, it, it had the power to decide what happened in my life. So I would wake up early and... I would do my homework. I'll get my homework done. Why? Because I wanted to play AFL 2012. I'd wake up early, pack my bag, get dressed for school, and I'd want to get as many games as I could possible because it was Lord of my life. Because it was Lord of my life, it told me what I was going to do, when I'm going to do it, and how I'm going to do it. And that, and I've got to be honest, it was ridiculous. A place, PS2 game controlled my life. And we've got to ponder the question for ourselves, well, what controls our life? What is Lord? over our life. So who owns you? What possesses you? What do you allow the power to decide in your life? As a a young Joshy allowed a PS2 game to control and dominate my life. And so when when we ask the question, well, who who controls me? Who owns me? Who possesses me? Who decides in my life? We can get a picture of who is Lord in our life. But we, we read in that scripture that that Paul sang to us, uh, to the church in Ephesus, and now to us here at One Heart, well, there is one Lord. And so, and I've got to tell you, one, the one Lord isn't an AFL game of 2012. 
It is a man named Jesus. And we want Jesus to be the Lord of our life. For him, so, so like when we, when we look about life, for me, I, my life was determined when I went to bed, when I woke up was determined by a game. When w- my free time, everything was revolved around a video game. But we got, what determines when you wake up? What determines when you go to bed? Is it, it could be social media. It could be sport. There's so many different things that can be Lord in our life. But do we allow Jesus to be the Lord or do we allow something else to be Lord? Because I remember then I had, I had to come to a, a moment in my life where I said, Jesus, you are Lord. So I'm going to go to bed early tonight because I want to get up early so I can read the Bible, so I can be alert, so I can be awake, so, not, so I don't just wake up and go, oh, I'm just too tired. No, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, so I'm going to go to, get to bed early because I want to give you my best. And so it changed the way I did my life. And so what, contr- what wakes you up? What determines when you go to bed? What determines, uh, well, what influences your habits? What controls your routine? How do you spend your money? Those things would dictate what's the Lord of your life. But, and then w- there could be many Lords. This could be a distraction. This could be vying for our attention. But we, as one heart, would go, no, well, Jesus is the Lord that we allow. Does anyone have a mobile phone here that I can borrow? Oh, you, uh, quick, first one, quick one, first one. Thank you, Shell. So Shell's got a phone here, right? So um, can, I'm just going to change your password. Like, that's fine. I'm just going to change your password. I'm not going to tell you what it is. No, that's not fine. That's weird because she possesses this. She owns this. She decides what it is. You know what? I'm just going to use this as a bounty ball. No, no way. See, that is not what the phone is used for. You're not going to use it as a bounty ball because I don't decide who, who I don't decide how to use it. Shell does because she is the lord of this phone. She decides what it's used for. She decides what's best for it. And we've got to understand our life is so more valuable than a mobile phone that Jesus knows what's best for us, that we're not going to be a mobile phone getting bounced around, this or that, because we're going to go, Jesus, if you're Lord, we're going to, we're going to let you dictate what happens with us because there's far more valuable things in me than being used as a bouncy ball, like calling, you know, all the things that mobile phone can do. And we want to live a life that does that in a greater way. So we've got to remember that there's one Lord, and that is Jesus, and we want him to dictate what we do. In the book of James, chapter 2, verse 19, it's a crazy scripture where it says, these people go, um, oh, we believe in God. And James is like, good for you. Demons believe Jesus exists too, but what does that mean? And so we don't just want to be people that know Jesus exists. Demons know that Jesus exists, but Jesus isn't their Lord. And so let's not have demon faith where we go, well, Jesus is out there. No, let's make him the Lord and the controller and the director of our life. So when it comes to your tithing and offering, that's a lordship issue. Jesus, you are Lord. That's why we tithe. It's not just a good idea because we're going, God, we put you first. You dictate what we do with our finances. When we sing at youth, when we sing at church, that we're saying, Jesus, you are Lord, not my feelings, not my, my pride or my cool factor. Jesus, you are Lord. When it comes to dancing, even in youth, we might go, oh, no, I'm too cool for that. Also, we're saying our, our pride is Lord. We're saying our reputation is Lord. No, or our friendship circle is Lord. No, but we're going to go, Jesus, you are Lord, and you will dictate how I dance, how I jump, how I praise. And there's so many different things. Let's decide. Let's be the people that go, Jesus, you are Lord. You are the one Lord of my life. 
and I'm going to let you dictate how my life flows. I, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly just add this. Um, it, it's interesting. I've often heard this statement. You may have heard this before. How dare you? You can't tell me what to do. Who's heard that before? You can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to do that. Now, in some circumstances, that's a wise thing to do. If you're going to have people bullying you and, and t- making you do the wrong thing, sometimes you've got to stick up and say, hey, you can't tell me what to do. That, but in, in a general sense, I hear it a lot in a negative context where it's not in a healthy place. And, and that is a non-kingdom culture. When we, if we're in one heart church, we're in part of the kingdom of God as Christians. And to have an attitude, a default response, like you can't tell me what to do, that's a, that is not a Lord response. Because believe it or not, if we're in the kingdom of God, what does that mean? There is a king. Who's a king? Jesus is a king. And the response of a Christian, therefore the response of someone from one heart, from one youth, is we say, Jesus, you tell me what to do because you are my Lord. So we can't live a life going, you can't tell me what to do, God. Well, it's like, actually, if we're part of the kingdom and he's the king and he's the Lord, the whole purpose is to go, Jesus, tell me what to do. I'm listening. My ears are open. I'm, I'm here to do what you want me to do, not whatever's convenient or whatever else I want to do. Does that make sense? So, number two was there's one faith. Hebrews 11.6 says this, It is impossible to please God without faith. That's an that's interesting word there, impossible to please God without faith. Max, do you still work at Macca's? Can I order a Zinger burger at Macca's? They tried... But it doesn't. It's impossible. You can't get the Zinger Burger from Macca's. Now, if I flip it, if I go to KFC, I can't get a Big Mac. It's impossible. It, that doesn't, KFC does Zinger Burgers. Macca's does Big Macs. And it's impossible to get the, either one from the other, right? But so what we, we read there in Hebrews 11, 6, well, to please God, we can please God, but it's impossible to do it without faith. We need faith to please God. Now, what's the purpose of pleasing God? Well, we believe when this thing dies, well, not this, this is a t-shirt, when this thing dies, there's something in me lives on. The real Josh isn't this, this skin and hair. The real Josh is the soul of the inside of me. And so we believe that when, we, when this dies, we have eternal life. But what happens with that? We want to end up in heaven. And the only way we end up in heaven is by pleasing God and the only way we please God is through faith. And so, uh, and I, I've heard this comment, like, people think there's many ways to get to heaven. There's many ways to be made right with God. Uh, uh, so they'll be like, well, I'm a good person, but that doesn't matter. It, the Bible doesn't say, if you're a good person, you will end up in heaven. If you're a good person, you'll please God. No, it doesn't say that. It says, it is by faith is the only way you please God. It's impossible to please Him any other way. So let's not get caught up in lies and, and opinions where people might say, well, if I'm a good person, this and that. That doesn't make us right with God. The only way we're made right with God is through faith. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. There's one faith. Jesus is the way. That's the, the, we got to understand that. There's one faith, and that is faith in Jesus, and it's the only way to please the Father is through Him. He is the way, He's the truth, and He's the life. And when you, you might come to the church and they have communion. Communion is just declaring the one faith that we have, that Jesus died, 
His blood was shed. He was, they talk about this perfect lamb because the way it worked is because of our sin, because of our brokenness, we needed to have a sacrifice to be made right with God. Something had to die in our place. And Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. His death made a way, the atonement for us, that no longer are we judged guilty, but we're judged innocent and clean because God made a way for us through Jesus. Fantastic. Number three, one baptism. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we've got to understand, if we want to be a Christian, if we, want to, if we believe, first of all, that God or Jesus is Lord, if we believe then we have this one faith that Jesus is the Lord, we then make a decision as a disciple, we will be baptized. And baptism is awesome. I've been baptized. Now, it's not a light decision. It's a powerful decision because it's honestly, it's a funeral. When you get baptized, it's like you, you, you go in, but you don't all, not all of you comes back out. Something, something of you is dead. And that is the old way of life. So when you rise up in baptism, you go, you know what? I have, something has been crucified. Something has died. And now there's the, the new renewed shell, the new renewed bolu, the new renewed Kalia, Orlando, has now risen in Jesus with authority to be able to live a victorious life. So we need to, if you haven't been baptized, I would encourage you. If you if you decided, Jesus is my Lord, I have faith in him, get baptized. That's what we're called to do. And it's interesting, it's very important though, it's, there's one baptism. Now I'm not saying it, we're, it's not more, it's not really saying you can't get baptized 20 times, which is true. There's one baptism, you get baptized once, but you, you don't have to have a repeat rinse. It's not like it's called like, the first baptism is all enough. But what it means is, is that the baptism that you have here or you have at a church in China or if you have a church in America, it's the one baptism. There's not one ritual for this people and one ritual for that person. No, baptism is a, is a signifier for all believers everywhere that Jesus is real, that we've decided. Just like when people get married and they go, well, we're forsaking all others to be with you for the rest of our life. It's crazy, big commitment, but we're saying it's the same commitment for every person everywhere. That we say, our old life is gone, we're, we're deciding from this moment forward, literally, our, our old life is dead, and now Jesus, we commit to you, for you to follow us, or you to lead us as we follow you. Now we'll get to the, the, the last part. The one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. I love this. So, one God and Father. So in my Bible, I'm going to quickly look at the Sermon on the Mount. The Mount. That's Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Oh man, it keeps jumping. Sermon on the Mount. So uh, Matthew chapter 5. And then when we get to, we want to get to the part where it says Jesus teaching about prayer, which is... Here we go, chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6, uh, teaching about prayer and fasting. Verse 9 says, our Father in heaven. Now I want to pause. What is prayer? Shout out to what is prayer? Oh, Shell got it. Talking to God. Everyone heard that? So what is prayer? Having a yarn to God. I'll say one more time. What is prayer? 
talking to God. Okay, now, I know you're, you're with me. So if prayer is talking to God, but then Jesus says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. So Jesus is making a link here for us that when we pray, which is talking to God, well, God is actually our Father. It's an interesting thing that we've got to understand here. So there's one God and Father of all. So there, we've got to understand that it, it's not just this mysterious being out there in the abyss, but he's our Father, and he wants us to speak to him like we would a father, which is interesting. Then, So then, to go to jump in another place, the book of John chapter 3, it's one of my, it's, it's probably has to be my favorite part of the Bible. There's a dude called Nicodemus. I don't, does anyone have any friends called Nicodemus? I don't, but I like the name, Nicodemus. It just has a cool little, I don't know, just Nicodemus, you know, it's a nice vibe to it. But Nicodemus, he's this religious leader, so he's meant to have all the answers. He's meant to have, all, he's meant to have it all figured out, and he, he, he knows that if he hangs out with Jesus and talks to Jesus, people are going to criticize him. People are going to attack him. So he sneakily finds Jesus at night one time, and he's having a yarn to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus goes, well, you must be born again. Interesting statement. You must be born again. And th- it's a, an interesting concept. Well, because then Nicodemus is trying to think of this like literally goes, well, I'm an adult man. I can't go return back to my mother. Like he's like this. How's that meant to work? And Jesus is like, Nicodemus, I'm not talking physically. I'm saying there's something got to come alive of the spirit inside of you where that gets born again. Similar to when you get baptized and when you get born again, something comes alive on the inside of you and that's just spirit awakening to God. And so then when we get baptized, we're saying then our old flesh nature is what's getting crucified. So that's the whole thing because because you got born again, it's like something is new in me. That's a born again experience. So then when you have that, you go, well, I want to decide to get baptized and say the old thing that used to control me no longer controls me and my born again nature is the dictating factor. So we learn in John chapter 3 from Nicodemus and Jesus that we must be born again. So this is what I want to say. Don't be content with religion. Don't be satisfied with singing Jesus karaoke. We can come to churches. We can go to youth groups. We're like, oh, yes, Jesus, like, um, I will follow you. Right? Don't be, that is not the, the fullness of the experience that we can have with God. Don't be uh, deceived to just play church. Well, I come in, I tick the box, I was there this week, I'm going to be there next week. Now, that's important, we want to do that, but that's not the encompassing factor of our faith. Let's not be ha- satisfied in that. Where, like, what a waste of time. What a waste of time it would be is to come to church week in, week out, to come to youth week in, week out, and not know Jesus, not be born again. That's the whole purpose. We want to be born again. And I remember last year, I was asked this question, how long have you been coming to youth? And I thought, and, and you could ask the question as well, well, how long have you been going to church? And again, it's a good question, but I said, can I, I said to the person, look, I think there's a better question. Uh, and you could, should ask is, how long have I known Jesus? When did you get born again? That's a better question. It's not, well, yeah, I've been coming to youth since year seven, or I've been coming to youth in church since I was born. Now, that's awesome if you have, but that's not the real question. The real question is, when did you meet Jesus? When did Jesus become your Lord? When did you get born again? 
Because when we get born again, we become children of God. And if we're children of God, that then means he's our father. And that's why Jesus teaches us to pray, our father in heaven. And I've spoken about this before, but it's good to be reminded of this. If, he's our, if we've got one God and father of all, so if God's our father, he is not our granddad. And there's too many people in churches, there's too many people in youth ministries that treat God as their grandfather. Where it's like, well, I come to church, I, I do this thing because my parents believe in God. Fantastic. Fanta- it's awesome that your parents have been born again. But have you been born again? Ha- or my sister, my sister brings me. Or my brother brings me. Great. They've been born again. But what about you? Or my best friend. Or my, or my mate that brings me to church news. They've been born again. Fantastic. But if we're going to live a life where we say, God, you're not my grandfather. You are my father because I've been born again and I am a child of God. If the, the music team want to come and join me and we're going to land this plane. Click the seatbelt signs. Come on. So, so if we've got one God and father who's over all, through all, in, in all. And I love the fact that our father in heaven the God that we serve is over all, through all, and in all. Another way we can say that, he's in the big picture and he's in the details. I love that. that over, over our life, God is in the big things. Where it's like, it's crazy. We look at the galaxy and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. More crazy and crazy and crazier. And God is over all of that. Then when we focus in, there's billions of people on this planet, billions. And I can't even remember like, the person's name down the road half of the time. I'm like, oh, sorry, I've forgotten your name. And God knows everybody's name. He knows everybody's face, everything detail. He's over the huge and he's over the details. Our God is over all, in all, and through all. And I don't know how your life's been. I can only talk about my life's perspective. But in my life, there's been many things, situations that I would not have chosen. If it was me planning the trajectory of my life, deciding the, the things, there's lots of things that I would not choose it to be this way. The, the pain, the trouble, the things that I've faced. But I can say, through all my short 20 years of life, God has been there overall, in all, and through all. And that's been my testimony. In the hard times, in the, the, in the, in the good times, God has been in my life through it all. And I believe He is the same for you. That in the good, bad, ugly, happy, sad, God can be there in it. And I want to... Uh, finish on one last part of the Bible, 1 Samuel 17. You'd be very familiar with this, I'm sure. David and Goliath. We're all familiar with that. So David finds himself with an encounter with a giant. And we see that giant, obviously a giant, big, huge, he's a problem. It's an issue. But David understood this principle that he has a father in heaven who's over all, in all, and through all. Where he goes, yeah, I'm facing a big problem. But the, the David realized this problem isn't that big because my God is bigger. My, he had the right magnifying glass. He said, well, yes, this issue is big. Oh, we won't deny that. But, and it seems bigger than me, which is true. But my God is bigger than my problem because my God is overall, my God is in all, and my God is through all. And you gotta, we got to rise up as young people. Go, You know what? That's my testimony like David where I don't live my life looking at how big my issue is, but I flip the script and go, actually, my God is bigger than this issue that I'm facing. My God is stronger than this issue that I'm facing. 
my God can dictate to me what happens in my life. Final thing, there's, in the book of Esther, I was just reading this recently. It's amazing. There's this dude called Mordecai and a guy called Haman. Now, Mordecai was a godly man, a God-fearing man. And this dude called Haman absolutely hated him. And, it, and the, the way the story goes, it's, it's incredible. It's almost like a, um, uh, it, the, just the, the way the story flips. I'd encourage you to read the book of Esther and look at it. But Haman is doing everything he can to kill Mordecai. He, he plans and schemes all these things. You know what? I'm going to get rid of this, this Mordecai because he's annoying me. He's frustrating me. And it didn't matter what Haman did. God kept flipping the script and it kept catching up to Haman to eventually the people in Haman's life said, you've got to stop trying to uh, like remove uh, Mordecai in your life because God keeps blessing him and flipping your punishment towards him. And you know what? We've got to understand the God of Mordecai is the God of my life. That, that it doesn't matter what people plan, doesn't matter what people do to us, God can flip the script. Same thing with Joseph. We see Joseph go through some terrible things. But, and then Joseph has a statement that, you know what? You, did, you people didn't cause the problems in my life. God sent me and put me through these issues because he needed me in this situation. Because Joseph had the revelation. Mordecai lived the life that we see time and time again through scripture that God is over all, in all, and through all. And I believe God's over our life. He's in the detail of our life. And he's in our life to do amazing things. So why don't we all just stand right now? And I want us to, um, I'm going to, I want to pray for us that we can live a life that uh, sees that Ephesians um, 4, 5 to 6 life. That we would live a life where Jesus is Lord. That we would live a life where we have one faith. That we don't get distracted by other people's opinions and ideas. But we understand that Jesus is the Lord. That he, that he is the one way to eternity. That we would understand the power of baptism. That what unites us as a church globally is the, the fact that we get baptized. And ultimately that we will live a life where God is our Father. That we don't live the lie of living a grandpad faith where our parents believe, yet, yet w- w- there's a disconnect here. We're just, we've just got used to religion but not knowing Jesus. And then finally that we would understand the fact that God is overall, in all and through all. That when things are going tough, we will reshift our perspective and go, God, you're over all, you're in all, and you're through all. That you're, you're bigger than this, that you're in me in this, and that you're going to continue to use me through this in powerful ways. So Holy Spirit, right now, we just pray for every single person right now in this room. God, we just pray that as we started, that we would live a life where you would be the Lord of our life. So right now, I just pray that you would speak to us and illuminate to us uh, uh, the things in our life that have become the Lord or are the Lord that are dictating to us habits, routines, things that you should be guiding us in. So God, right now, we just pray that you would come and speak, come and move in us, that we would make a decision tonight that no longer would those things be the Lord, but you would be the sole Lord of our life. That we would understand what it is to live in the kingdom of God where you are our king and you dictate to us that our response wouldn't be, how dare you tell us to do that, God, but our, our, we would have a humble attitude. Okay, God, if you're speaking, we're listening. If you're speaking, we are obedient to your voice. God, right, God, and I just pray that you would help us live a life of faith, that we would put our trust in you, that we would please you because we're doing that. 
God, uh, and, and we just thank you that for those here that have been baptized, God, I thank you that you, you're going to continue to help them walk in that new life. And God, I pray for those others that haven't been baptized yet. God, I pray that you would put a fire on the inside of them to make a decision today. Jesus, we choose you, and we want to make that public declaration for baptism. God, we pray for our friends that aren't here right now. God, we pray for them that they would make decisions to go, Jesus, we're all in. We want to be baptized. We want to go public. We want to see you move in our lives afresh. And God, we just thank you ultimately that you are our Father in heaven, that we would understand the, the, the love that you have for us, that, that we wouldn't live a life dictated by the problems. We wouldn't live a life dictated by the issues and the troubles, but we would live a life where we, we tell our troubles, our problems and our issues, that you are bigger, that you are stronger, that despite it, it may not be what we choose to do, but God, we understand that you're using us in it, that you've placed us there for a reason beyond our understanding to, to see your, you do miracles, to see you have your destiny outworked in our lives. In Jesus' name.